1: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your
0: team every day.
2: Welcome on in everybody to another edition of Crossover, not Wednesday, but Thursday with Locked On Eagles and Locked On Cowboys. For Locked On Eagles, I'm your host, Gino Camilleri, joined by host of Locked On Cowboys, Marcus Mosier. Marcus, how's it going, my man?
1: It, it's going well. It, since the last time we talked, things have certainly changed, haven't they?
2: Yeah, I, I think I got to eat a little crow after that one said you guys were showing up to your own funeral when re- in reality... We <laughs> yeah, but I agree, really I agree with you. I agree
1: with you. I thought the Cowboys were... I thought they were done. I thought that was going to be the final game of their season, you know, but strange things happen in the NFL.
2: That's how it goes, and I, I, I'm, I'm a big gambler on football, and the one instinct you always have is... If you think it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. And I, right. that game, that's exactly what it was. The Eagles, they needed to win that game. Dallas, nobody gave them a chance. But look what happened. And then a couple of weeks later, you guys come out and beat the Saints. So things are looking up for you and for us. I mean, we just came off a big win out of Washington. So this division's getting tight at the right time.
1: One of my favorite weeks of the NFL season is week 14 and week 15, because this is when the playoff picture uh, starts to become a little clear, and we can kind of see which matchups are going to be fun to watch. You know, early in the season, uh, you can get kind of fooled by some teams, but now week 14, week 15, these games really start to matter, uh, and I'm really looking forward to this Cowboy Eagle matchup on Sunday.
2: Absolutely. I love anytime time these two teams play, you, there's a little bad blood in the in the media lately, Camus Grugier-Hill, the Eagles linebacker, came out and said that we all know how Dallas performs in December—that they usually choke. Which he's not too far off base if you look at the past. But this <laughs> this Dallas team—I have to give them credit—they look different. They've been buzzing around, especially on defense. So I don't think this game is going to be a, a cakewalk for either team. But I think it's going to be an old new. NFC East bloodbath, one in the trenches late in December. We've seen it time and time again, and I think this is going to be one of those one of those games that goes that direction.
1: Do we think we get a a pregame fight like last time? I mean, there's even more bad blood since last time these two teams played.
2: Yeah, hopefully not between our injured corner Jalen Mills and Chris Richard. Hopefully, it's two guys that are in the <laughs> game that actually can get their hands on each other when when push comes to shove. But I'll take Richard. Yeah, he's, he's a crazy <laughs> little guy, that, man, that yeah, man. He is. but he's done wonders for you guys' his passing game and everything, and I, I don't know about you, but there's been a lot of people on Eagles Twitter saying that they should quit it with the bulletin board material, but I just think as much gasoline as you could throw on this rivalry, just let it cook, because I, I hate beating NFC East teams when they're bad. I like when sure. all the teams are good, sure. and the rivalries are at the top of their game, because one... Division games are hard enough to win as it is. And then to go up against a division opponent with the division on the line, that's just even tougher. So make it a battle. Does bulletin
1: board material even matter? Does it it matter in division games? These two teams don't like each other. They're not going to play harder because a linebacker said something in a locker room during a media thing, right?
2: Does it really matter? No, and uh, one of the Eagles beat writers, Zach Berman, came out and said that. He said if you have to get fired up, outside of just the fact that you're playing a Cowboys-Eagles rivalry game. Exactly. There's there's something wrong with you, and you you shouldn't even be on the field, really. And that's what it is. And these two teams, you know they hate each other. They always play tight games so far. You guys got one up on us. But both teams are in different places, and they're headed in two different directions. Dallas looks like they've been hitting their stride the last couple weeks, and the Eagles, they still have been up and down, but... Last Monday night, they finally started cooking. They started to get back to that 2017 form. Carson Wentz came out, had one of the better games, still had a couple bad throws, but the offensive line got back to their old ways, starting to maul people again. Defensive line outside of the 90-yard touchdown to Adrian Peterson. I think they allowed 14 rushing yards, and the secondary for what they have, they didn't do too bad.
1: Right. And I, I thought that was maybe one of the Eagles more complete games of the season. Uh, I thought Golden Tate looked fantastic. I think when you have Golden Tate on the field uh, with Zach Ertz, that team looks totally different. And then, you know, we saw what's, uh, what Darren Sproles can do for this Eagles team. So uh, I think this is going to be a much more explosive Eagle offense that the Cowboys are going to be facing uh, in week 14.
2: Yeah, and we'll get into the offensive-defensive matchups uh, when we come back from the break in a little bit, but I think you hit it right on the head. There's a lot of factors in this game that weren't right for the Eagles in that last matchup. Uh, Vadi Vaitai was starting at right tackle against the Marcus Lawrence. That was just an unfavorable matchup. Now we have Lane Johnson back at right tackle. Sidney Jones was out that game, even though Ronald Darby came out late in that game. Sidney Jones is a factor, and he played well against the Washington Redskins, the defense Defensive line have Tim Jernigan back if his back doesn't act up. And I know you're going to ask me all about these Eagles injuries. I know you wanted to get into that. But (laughs) things are starting to look up. They're getting some pieces back together. The offense finally started to look like they did in 2017. So if they can continue to convert in the red zone and get Golden Tate more involved, get Alshon Jeffrey more involved, and Zach Ertz, he's going to break your old pal Jason Witten's record before the end of the season.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I just... Uh, on the Cowboys side of things, you know, things since the Amari Cooper trade have kind of started to fall into place. Uh, you know, Cooper's obviously been fantastic for the Cowboys, but now Michael Gallup is is more established in his role as the, the number two receiver. Um, the offensive line somehow is, kind of, I mean, they've played okay. I mean, they haven't had Tyron Smith. Connor Williams has been out with an injury. Uh, no Travis Frederick. Um, you know, you just go back to 2016 – this was thought of as maybe the best offensive line of all time. And now they're performing like an offensive line that's maybe slightly below average. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Cowboys deal with that front Uh, seven of the Eagles. Um, I expect Tyron Smith to play. We can get into those injuries in a little bit. Uh, But for the Cowboys, the real story is their defense. Their linebackers, Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch, uh, have played incredible over the last couple weeks. I don't expect Sean Lee to play. Uh, But those linebackers with Demarcus Lawrence – and Randy Gregory have really, you know, taken the league by storm. Uh, you saw last week against the Saints. Dallas' speed on defense is just unreal, uh, and it's starting to cause a lot of problems for teams in the NFL. This is a big game for the Cowboys. If they win uh, on Sunday against the Eagles, for the most part, they will lock up the division. Uh, they'll have a three-game lead with the Eagles. You know, we consider the tiebreaker. So it's going to be a big game for the Cowboys on Sunday.
2: Yeah, I think the one thing that's taken this league by storm is Leighton Vanderesh and you It just unheralded what he's done at that position so far. But one thing I, I need to ask you is when Sean Lee does come back, you can't take him off the field. Who are they going to take off the field? Because I know that organization loves Sean Lee and they love to play him at all times. But those two young linebackers, they're really cooking now. So who, who do you see them? benching i do i don't know why you would put sean lee back in if they they both have the hot hand at the moment but i think it's bound to happen but i could be wrong yeah it's funny
1: that sean lee gets hurt and he gets his starting job back when but when tony romo gets hurt he doesn't get his starting job I so that's, that's a different story it's <laughs> a different story i'm not bitter at all um what I expect to happen is I expect the Cowboys to just rotate Jalen, Leighton Vandresh and Sean Lee. Ideally, I think it makes more sense to play Sean Lee in the middle, use Jalen as a blitzer, try to you know save his legs a little bit. He's played a ton of snaps this season, uh, and keep Leighton Van Der Esch on the field because he's playing some outstanding football right now. Uh, however, I do think they're going to try to rotate more with Leighton Van Der Esch and Sean Lee. Um, Here's the thing. They don't have to decide that for a couple of weeks. I don't expect Sean Lee to play this week. I, I think they're going to be really careful with him as long as Van Der Esch is playing this well. Um, I think they have the, the ability to do so. Now, if Van Der Esch starts to slip, maybe that's when you'll see kind of Lee, you know, in practice, accelerate up to, to play. But as of right now, uh, it's, it's the Sean Lee or it's the Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith show in Dallas.
2: Yeah, they they definitely caused problems in the last game against us. You look to that that third and two screen. Leighton Vander mm-hmm. got through two offensive linemen and was still able to make that play. It was an unbelievable play by him. The Eagles' screen game last game against the Redskins, they were able to get that moving in the right direction overall the big story of the Eagles has been play design and the first 15 plays and last game they came out and for once were able to score on the first drive of the game until that Washington game they were averaging 1.1 points for the entire first quarter throughout the season which is absolutely putrid and they were starting to get going late in games but they they did have a complete game against the Redskins and if they're going to beat the Cowboys, who is one of the better teams in the league at the current moment, seeing that you guys just beat, I'd say, the best team in the league. I have a conspiracy theory, not really a conspiracy, more that Drew Brees is really good and that he's going to win the Super Bowl this year and ride off into the sunset. But to come out and beat them in a big matchup in a primetime game, that was huge for you guys. And I thought that gave your team a lot of confidence.
1: Does that mean if if Drew Brees retires that Sean Payton can come to Dallas to be our head coach? Because I'm all for that. That's that's the story here.
2: But would he get? Would Jerry get rid of uh, Jason Garrett, or is he going to lock him up to a five year extension? What would he do there?
1: for for, Sha- for Sean Payton? Oh, come on now. We listen. Sean Payton has a history in Dallas. He was going to be the Cowboys head coach if Parcells didn't hold on one more year. I think the Cowboys would welcome him in with. Uh, with open arms and kick Jason Garrett to the the curb about as fast as you can say, clapper.
2: (laughs) I'm glad everybody, it's not just people in Philadelphia that call him the clapper, but (laughs) everybody embraces it. But that could be. But as for this Sunday, it's going to be a good coaching matchup. I think your defensive coaches, Rod Marinelli, has really done wonders for them this year. That team is just playing out of their mind. And I think you hit it right on the head that the team's speed just is something that I haven't seen out of them in the past couple of years. Your your secondary is just flocking to the ball. It, you know, I, I I said my love for Byron Jones in the last time we chatted, mm. and he's still continuing to have a killer season. And from top to bottom in your secondary, I think everybody's playing well. Jeff Heath is playing at probably the best level I've ever seen him play.
1: Yeah, I mean, give a lot of credit to Chris Shard, the Cowboys' new passing game coordinator. He, not only is... Uh, he brought some enthusiasm and some energy to Stephens back, you know. But listen, he puts guys in the right position. For the first three years of Byron Jones' career, he was a strong safety, and he was covering Zach Ertz. Uh, the Cowboys decided to move him to cornerback, and all of a sudden you're seeing what he can do. Uh, last week, Jordan Lewis, a cornerback that hasn't played a ton uh, this season, uh, Chris Rashard decided to stick him on Alvin Kamara, and, you know, he made the game-changing play with the interception. So uh, you have to give credit to Rashard and his ability to just kind of get guys in the right positions. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Jordan Lewis again in the same role, maybe covering Sproles out of the backfield. Uh, but it's yeah, it's, it's the secondary that has really changed uh, the way the Cowboys are playing defense this year. I mean, you can make a case. This may be one of the team's best secondaries in the past 20 seasons.
2: Yeah, and on that note, I think it's a good time to get into the offense and defensive matchup. So after the break, come on back and we will be breaking down the Eagles offense against that high flying secondary and front line of the Dallas Cowboys defense. So come on back to the Locked On Eagles and Locked On Cowboys crossover. This episode
1: of the Locked On Cowboys podcast is sponsored by Action Heat. Action Heat makes the world's best battery-heated clothing. Heat on demand at the touch of a button control your environment with Action Heat. Action Heat clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panels similar to those of a heated car seat. They can reach temperatures of up to 135 degrees and are powered by rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion batteries that last up to 12 hours on a single charge. It's a perfect gift for any friend or family. It's great for anybody who works outdoors, skis, snowboards, hunts, anything like that. Anybody that hates the cold, you need to get them an Action Heat garment this Christmas season. Uh, For our listeners, we have a special deal to save 20% off your entire order just go to actionheat.com slash locked on to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. That's actionheat.com slash locked on or use the coupon code locked on at the checkout to save 20%. Stay toasty warm while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast.
0: Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
2: Welcome on back, everybody, to Crossover Thursday with Locked On Eagles. I am Gino Camilleri, joined once again by Locked On Cowboys host Marcus Mosier. So now we're going to get into the Eagles offense against the Dallas Cowboys defense Last time this Dallas defense held them to 20 points, Golden Tate looked basically irrelevant in that game. They couldn't get much game going in the run game either. Elshon Jeffrey didn't have a great game. Zach Ertz didn't have the best game of the season. So that was that was a couple weeks ago. This team now is starting to move in the right direction. Like I said before the break, Mike Groh called the first well, playing the first 15 plays to a T, they They had a nice seven-minute drive to go down and score a touchdown in the beginning of the game. Got Golden Tate involved in a manner that wasn't forced. I, I'm sure you, I know you broke down the All-22 from that Eagles game. I'm sure all those balls that came to Golden Tate's weight looked forced. And you could just see it. Like on jet sweep motions, you knew Carson would just look mm-hmm. in his direction, give him the ball. When he was coming across the middle... LVE was right on his hip the entire time, and you knew the ball was going his way, but if you saw the game on Monday night, everything looked more natural. They had more uh, routes where they would get Zach Ertz open over the top, draw coverage into the deep third of the secondary, and get Golden Tate wide open over the middle and let him do what he does best. Uh, They got Darren Sproles involved. Josh Adams really has solidified this run game, which is something they haven't seen until the last two weeks of the season. He's really a runner that Kind of reminds me a lot of Jay Jay and garrett Blunt that they were bigger, but they both had a little bit of bliss in their game. So I was listening to the uh, Go Birds podcast with Adam Kaplan, who was an ex-Eagles uh, executive, and he said that he was talking to some Cowboys executives and insiders in the organization. And they said that they thought they would see a lot more Josh Adams and that they were impressed by what they saw on tape by him. So... I think Doug is going to give him a little bit of dose of Josh Adams to balance out the the run game and the pass game with Carson Wentz. When Carson has a run game to, to fall back on, he really does his best, and you could see that in the last two weeks. So if they get a balanced 60-40 run game, I think it's going to be a lot more. A lot better for this offense, especially for the fact that they're not going to have to keep Zach Ertz or Dallas Goddard in to help protect Big V's side since Lane Johnson will be at the right tackle position. So I think things are going to open up a lot more than they did the last time around. All right, I have a, cu-
1: a couple questions really quickly. Do we yeah, expect Jason Peters to play in this game?
2: He was banged up at, at the last couple plays of the Redskins game. I don't know why he was in the game, but. Things right now are looking that he is going to play, but knowing him, who knows, he might play a series and come out for all we know, but that is the worst case scenario is that he doesn't, but as of right now, he should be on track to play.
1: Okay, because that's a big injury that swings. You know, if he's in the game, you know, you can make a case that the Eagles have one of the, you know, best offensive lines in the league when they're all healthy. If he's not in the game and they have to play that big V over there at left tackle, things can get a little bit dicey. Uh, We know that the Cowboys have a lot of talented rushers. They can put Tyron Crawford over there. They can put Randy Gregory. Uh, How Peters plays in this game, if he does, is going to be important. Uh, One of the things I also wanted to ask you about. When I went back and I watched the, the all-22 of the Redskins in the Eagle game, uh, one thing that stood out to me was how well the Eagles run screens. Uh, the Cowboys have a very fast and aggressive defense, and they're a team that you can run a lot of screens on. Do you expect that to, to be the case again this Sunday?
2: So, after we get off this pod, I want you to go and watch a screen against Dallas and then a screen against the Redskins this last Monday. Because the screen game that they ran four weeks ago is completely different than what they did the other day. Every Eagles beat writer, myself included, realized how much they overhauled it, and they got... They got things going, they weren't calling them right at the 40s, they were calling them more towards the 20s, because teams are attacking upfield with speed more, so they were able to get their their running back out on an island and get their offensive linemen upfield more, something that they didn't really do a couple weeks ago, and look back to last season and how they ran their screens, and it was a lot of what they did until week 11 when they changed it around, but I think... at the way Doug called screens last game where he called about seven of them, not just to running backs, but he right. got Dallas Goddard out there on a screen that uh, Carson Wentz unfortunately overthrew to him. So I think you may, you hit that right on the, the head that they're going to come out and try to attack that speed of this defense with the screen games. And with the way Gel- Jason Kelsey played last game, I expect them to get into the second level throughout this game many of times.
1: Right. And that's my biggest concern uh, because the Eagles in Sproles has always been a fantastic screen player. And they've got two tight ends in Ertz and Goddard that can both you know run that play extremely well. Uh, What the Cowboys are really good at this season is limiting big plays. They don't allow teams to throw the ball down the field. So uh, they want teams to have to dink and dunk all the way down the field, use up clock uh, and have to be efficient on every drive. I think the Eagles can do that now that they have. Uh, Golden Tate, they have a weapon on the outside they can create quick separation, Sproles is obviously back, Zach Ertz is arguably the best tight end in football Um, I I think this Eagles offense actually matches up pretty well with the Cowboys defense so it's going to be an interesting battle to watch much like the last game it's probably going to be turnovers that decide the difference in this game Uh, in in week 10, the Cowboys had no turnovers Uh, the Eagles had one Leighton Van Der Esch interception and that was really the difference in the game
2: Yeah, and that LVE interception really has been... The one big knock on Carson this year is that before the play... He's very good in picking up coverages. He's very good in identifying how the routes are going to develop. But after the snap, which is something he didn't do much last year, is that he he's not identifying things, how they break down. So he threw that same exact interception a, a few weeks before that one to Leighton Van Der Esch where he just didn't see the right. linebacker coming across. And he did that last week against Washington where he had... Uh, Josh Norman bracketing Elshon on one side, and then I think it was uh, Foster on the other side bracketing him, and he just didn't pick up that there was a cornerback coming down. So, I think it is going to come down to turnovers. The Eagles were able to make some turnovers happen the last game. I think Carson has to hang on to the ball. Like you said, this Dallas defense doesn't allow a lot of big plays, but... The Eagles really didn't move the ball down the field in a big play fashion against the Redskins. They just It was death by a thousand cuts, I would say, where they get into those short and intermediate areas where Zach Ertz and Nelson Aguilar and Elshon Jeffrey and Golden Tate all excel. That, if you look at any Absolutely. of their tapes, they all work well from 5 to 15 yards down the field. Even with Zach Ertz being covered, he's always open. There was one throw early in the game where he was in triple coverage, he was two yards behind the defender, Carson throws the ball and puts it into a window that Zachary had to break open, extend his arms, and if he doesn't get a fingertip on the football, it's probably a pick six. So, if they can start to work and cut open these short and intermediate areas that Dallas I think can be exposed to if you start to implement a solid run game, which the Eagles didn't have the last game, so you really knew that those short to intermediate routes were going to happen, but... One of the other factors is that they aren't going to be able to. They are going to be able to run a lot more routes from twelve personnel. They did run a lot of twelve personnel last time against Dallas, but they had to keep it in to protect uh, Demarcus Lawrence from coming off the edge. You would see a lot of chip blocks from Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard to help out Big V. So, if you could start to get more playmakers down the field, get the run game going, I think it is going to be a lot more high scoring than it was the last time around.
1: One more thing to watch out for when the Eagles have the ball. Golden Tate is one of the best receivers I've ever seen after the catch. He's just so strong, doesn't have a ton of speed, but it's really tough to bring down. How well the Cowboys tackle in this game against Golden Tate and Darren Sproles might ultimately decide the difference.
2: I think so as well. And one thing that the Eagles didn't do Monday night was get Darren Sproles involved in the passing game. They put him out. They put a lot of formations out there that look like they would get him going in the passing game, but then they would end up handing it off to him. So I think he gets involved in the pass game a lot more. Golden Tate looked a lot like the Golden Tate that played against Dallas when he was on Detroit earlier this year on Monday night. He was getting into space, he was breaking tackles. When he's at his best and he's grooving in an offense, like you said, he is one of the best run after catch wide receivers there is. And you said that tackling is a big thing. It's a big thing for the Eagles, too, and we can get into that after this, but I'm not too confident in the Eagles' defense. I think the Eagles' offense is going to have to come out and put up anywhere from 28 to 35 points to win this game.
1: Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about the offense, uh, the Cowboys' offense, because I think there's going to be some, some interesting matchups. I'll go ahead and allow you to go first, because I think the Eagles' defense, it, it's a little bad. Bit- who's all going to be out to injury report today. And it seems like there, there's a lot of names. So maybe you can just kind of give Cowboy fans a little, uh, you know, knowledge of who is in and who is out in this matchup.
2: Yeah, so we, we're not going to go into the 10 people that they have on IR. But uh, as I said before, Ronald Darby played in that Dallas Cowboys game and he came out thir- through the third quarter with an ACL tear. But on the injury report today, uh, the couple people that didn't practice were Michael Bennett with a foot Jordan Hicks with a calf. Doesn't look like he's going to play. Tim Jernigan with a back injury. His back acted up before the the Washington game. He never got into the game. Uh, Cornerback Avante Maddox, who uh, covered Colt Beasley a majority of the game last game, is on pace. As Doug would say, he's closer day-to-day, so he should play on Sunday. Jalen Mills still has a walking boot on. He's going to be out. And then Jason Peters did not practice with that ankle injury. So, He's a veteran. They usually keep him out till late in the week. So on the secondary side of it, who knows how they're going to deploy this? the secondary. Avante Maddox should be coming back. Sidney Jones came back and had a good game. Razul Douglas had a pretty good game, not in coverage, but in the tackling scheme of things last game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Avante Maddox should be deployed at that deep safety role. They want to keep Corey Graham off the field at all costs, especially against a good route running team like <laughs> Dallas and Amari Cooper. I I don't know if you've watched a lot of All-22 on Corey Graham, but he's not good. And if you no, see he's him not. on the field, I think they should try and take advantage of him. But, like Corey said,
1: Graham's a, a former Buffalo Bill, right?
2: Yeah, yes, sir. And a fun fact for all you Cowboys fans that are interested in this, I lived below his brother in my old apartment about a year ago. <laughs> and when he was in free agency, I saw his brother... And, uh, well, that's my source. I'll say it now. His brother told me that he was going to be signed (laughs) back with the Eagles. So that was pretty cool that I got to break the news on that. It was kind of known that he was going to come back to the team as they had no third safety. So it was basically set in stone. But I did live below his brother. But, yeah, he is is an ex-Buffalo Bill, ex Cleve Hill. I don't know what their team name is. That's the high school he went to. But he's not very good at all. And uh, (laughs) I I don't like seeing him out there. (laughs) No, he's not. Avante Maddox will be in the deep third. I keep saying that because I, he's a he's a baller in that part of the field, especially since Rodney McLeod has went down. They really have not had much stability there. But the thing is, who is going to cover Amari Cooper? I'm I'm yeah. banging the table that Sidney Jones shadows him because I'm I'm looking at Pro Football focused advanced stats regarding coverage, and the person who covered Amari Cooper the best last game. Was linebacker Kamu Grugia Hill. so they need a cornerback to come out and actually do pretty well against him. Because, man, if if he can do what he, to the Eagles what he did against Washington on Thanksgiving, this game could get ugly.
1: Yeah, and that's really the the matchup I'm curious about because uh, if the Cowboys can protect Dak Prescott, something they haven't been able to do the last couple weeks, uh, I love the matchup of Amari Cooper against any of these guys, especially. Russell Douglas. I think I think Douglas has a certain uh, type of receiver that he matches up well with. You know these maybe bigger, uh, stronger guys that aren't these precise route runners. Uh, But you get a guy like Amari Cooper on Douglas, and I just think that's a matchup. Uh, Cooper's going to win 10 times out of 10. He's just so technically sound. So uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they put Jones on him just because his feet are really good. I mean, you can go back to Washington. I mean, his quickness is outstanding. He might be able to stay in front of Cooper a little bit. Uh, I think that's a big matchup. Uh, kind of the thumb, something that us Cowboy fans have been wondering, though, is what is going to be more advantageous going to 11 personnel and trying to get more cornerbacks on the field or playing, you know, maybe some bully football and going twelve, thirteen 12, 13 personnel and trying to get some of those Eagle linebackers on the field. Uh, You mentioned Jordan Hicks. Uh, He played in the last game. Uh, You don't expect him to play in this game, right?
2: Yeah, no, it doesn't look like he's going to be a go this week. Uh, I would I'd expect him to be in the middle of the field and take all the calls. And he played pretty well against Washington and, but I do, that is a good point that you made, that it's really pick your poison for the Dallas offense because there's weak links at both sides of the ball. But if you're going to go big and get linebackers on the field, don't have much depth. Nate Geary is right now our third rotational linebacker. Who really doesn't do well in run support, does better in coverage. And then if you go to nickel, you're getting guys like Craven LeBlanc on the field. You probably haven't heard of him, Yeah, but he's played pretty well. The last no, we we've heard of LeBlanc. Did he play in that last game? If I could, no, he uh, no, but he that's, you know. a, that's a that's a guy
1: that Cowboy fans are familiar with. We we talked about him a lot on this show before, so uh, we would welcome Cravon LeBlanc to come play in the slot against Cole Beasley if that, if that's what ultimately happens.
2: Yeah, surprisingly, he's played pretty well for a street free agent that wasn't even on the team five weeks ago. So, uh, But it's not the secondary that they've had in the past. No Ronald Darby, who's that quick guy who can cover Amari Cooper in his in-breaking routes and his good foot speed. Jalen Mills is pretty solid in the tackling game. But you're without two of those guys, and like you said with Sidney Jones, I think he's the better matchup on Amari Cooper. He has very good hip fluidity. He's able to turn and run with guys like Amari Cooper that are very good route runners. And on the other side of the ball, Rezul Douglas has the hips of an old squeaky uh, metal fence, and he needs to put some (laughs) WD-40 on them. He doesn't really do too well to turn and bail he does better in closer to the line. He could get his hands on him, but if you're playing sure. off and you can get into space against him, you're gonna get. He's gonna get eaten up, and that's because he's a safety playing cornerback. Him and Jalen Mills, we have yeah. two guys playing corner that are both safeties. They both come downhill well and tackle, so I don't expect them to run any bubble screens his way because I th- he led the team in tackles last week, so I, I wouldn't expect them the thing that you're going to want to do is try and get Nate Gary on the field in coverage or try and get Camus into coverage with one of these, these rotational linebackers that weren't getting big minutes up until Jordan Hicks went out a couple weeks ago.
1: Yeah. Nate, Nathan Gary has played just 86 snaps this season. So I I would imagine the Cowboys would be okay if, if they try to play some power football. I mean, I think one thing that Eagle fans can expect is Dallas this week in practice. They were using Connor Williams, uh, their second-round guard, as basically an extra tight end. Uh, so I think you can expect the Cowboys to play some some physical football on Sunday.
2: Yeah, and that's a big part of this game. Is if Tim Jernigan doesn't play, this run defense can be really susceptible. Uh, they don't have trust in the rotational defensive tackles outside of Fletcher Cox. Uh, I think out of, I think it was 48 to 50 snaps they played on defense last game, the second defensive tackle in 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 snap count was Haloti Nada at 15, and I think Trayvon Hester had 11. So if Tim Jernigan is a no-go, I think Ezekiel Elliott has a big day. But going back to that front four, they absolutely don't dominated a decimated Washington Redskins front last week and like you said Xavier Suofilo he could be that weak point and they really need to attack him this game and try and get in on Leary as well because Zach Martin we all know how that battle usually goes so if they they're going to try and hammer that left side of your line I feel.
1: Uh, yeah, Suafilo is the weak point. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any question about that. Cowboy fans have been complaining that they want Connor Williams back in the game. Uh, the only reason he's not playing this week is because they're worried a little bit about the beef of the Eagles' defensive line uh, with Fletcher Cox and Haloti Nada. So uh, you're going to see you're going to see Les Suafilo really struggles with quickness. So if they get into a situation where the Eagles can uh, kick Michael Bennett down inside, assuming he's playing. I, I've seen that he's mispracticed the last couple of days. But if they can put Michael Bennett down inside, uh, he should be able to have uh, his way with uh, Xf-
2: XSF. XSF. That's a lot easier to say than Xavier Suofilo. But uh, yeah. our edge rushers are going to have a big test, too. I, I, Smith is going to be uh, – he's a lot to handle. He just looking at him as a human being like it doesn't even register that we're the same species because he's just a monster of a man but the way and Graham played last week I think it's going to be a better matchup than what they had four weeks ago I think all in all it's a pretty even game there's a lot of bad blood between these teams it's Going back to the Buddy Ryan days, I love watching those clips uh, when Jim Johnson said Buddy needs to get his fat butt off the field or how that went. So, this has yeah. been going on for years. It's another big game in a big divisional matchup. Really for control of the division, the Eagles would have all the tiebreakers if they were to take it, but if Dallas takes it, you basically can lock it up for you guys to have a playoff spot. Probably shooting for the third seed if things go your way. So with all said and done, how do you think the game is going to end up, Marcus?
1: Well, first of all, the Eagles have historically played pretty well in Dallas. I don't think they're going to be afraid of, you know, coming into Dallas and playing. Um, I think Carson Wentz is 2-1 uh, and one in Dallas in his career. Um The Eagles have won three out of their last four. It's a big game for Philadelphia, and I think in the back of Dallas' mind, and I know you can't think this way, but they know this game is not as important as it is for Philadelphia. Philadelphia absolutely has to have this game. The Cowboys can still get in the playoffs if they win two out of their last four. Um, I I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, I think these two teams... Their styles match up really well together, but I'm going to pick the Eagles to win uh, a game 23-20. Maybe it comes down to the last field goal, the last drive of the game.
2: Yeah, I think you made a good point that Dallas isn't quite that home field advantage in this matchup as Lincoln Financial was at one point. Uh, But like you said, Carson is two and one. They lost in overtime the first time around. On It definitely was a Jason Witten push-off. I definitely think there was pass interference on it. You can go back and watch the <laughs> tape. I'm going to hold it to the death of me that he pushed off, but we don't have to go there. But I agree. I think 24-21, 24-20 is going to be the final score in favor of the Eagles. Last-second field goal, maybe a last-second touchdown. Carson has to drive the drive the team down and get something cooking, but I don't think it's going to be an easy battle Never is in these divisional matchups, but they're always fun. It's always fun to listen to Joe Buck and Troy Aikman at 425. Absolutely. Eastern Sunday, everybody strap in. So for another edition of Crossover Thursday, not Wednesday, this time around, thank you for joining me, Gino Camilleri, host of Locked on Eagles, and Marcus Mosier, host of Locked on Cowboys. Marcus, where can they find you on uh, social media, Twitter, whatever you got for them?
1: Yeah, I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. You can follow the show at Locked On Cowboys. Check me out on the athletic, Pro Football Weekly and fan am Trying to think everywhere I'm writing. Lots of places now.
2: that's good for you man yeah marcus puts out some good stuff i like watching his all 22 breakdowns just to see how things are going so go check him out and for myself you can catch me on twitter at gino underscore loe you can find lou dibiase at dibiase loe and you can follow our twitter account at lockdown bergs and this is all presented by the lockdown podcast network your team every day and thank you for joining us fly eagles fly